What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Day Sean podcast. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined, as always, by former West Virginia All-American Day Sean Butler. Before What's we get on? to the meat of this episode, we got plenty to talk about. I do just want to ask you guys to do me one favor. If you do enjoy what you hear on this podcast today, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Say something nice about us in the comments. Give us five stars. We need that confidence boost. I need a little bit of an ego boost. You know, I, I got laid off, Deshaun. I got <laughs> laid off for the first time in my life. I lost my job. So I, I need you guys to help move, boost up my mood a little bit. So, uh, yes, if you do like what you hear on this podcast, you guys hear on every every podcast that you listen to, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, interactions, anything that you can do to kind of help us grow this product and grow this brand really would help the cause. It would help us be able to create more fun content for you. So with that out of the way, Deshaun, how you doing, my man? Everything good? I cannot complain, man. All is good. The kids were downstairs watching Sing. So I came upstairs to do my job. I got that. Is, that is a great movie, by the great way. Great movie. Very underrated. Great- so <laughs> shockingly, very, uh, very catchy songs. Great storyline. Shout out to those people. Yeah, I no, I legitimately have to listen to that soundtrack when we're in the car. You know, it's <laughs> it's the troll soundtrack. It is the sing soundtrack, and it is the frozen soundtrack. Not frozen yeah. two. My kids, yeah. they're not about that frozen two life. They nah. love frozen one though. Frozen solid, frozen solid. But this is like one of those things where the kids are going crazy in the car. You throw this yeah. on, shuts everything down. Me and the wife can talk now without the kids like in our ear and stuff. So. This thing yep. is a is a very great go to. Yeah, it really is good, man. I, I do <laughs> I do enjoy that movie. Um, now you got me distracted. I'm thinking about exactly. The, thinking about <laughs> <the movies. laughs> uh, all right. So the uh, first thing that I want to I want to kick things off with today is Greg Marshall no longer has a job at Wichita State. He uh, resigned over. Um, I guess the I think I think we have to say the allegations. I think we have to put that in there. But the allegations that he physically and verbally abused players and assistant coaches and uh, a whole myriad of different people um, that were the subordinates in his program at Wichita State. He got $7.75 million over the course of the next six years to walk away from the program. Deshaun, give me all your takes. I find it strange that, granted, there are allegations first and foremost, but He's he's been accused of these things from former players speaking on past players and coaches being disrespected and assaulted. And at the end of the day, he gets to walk away on his own terms with seven million dollars and 
with the opportunity to let things die down in the future and then come back and coach again. Cause he wasn't like, he was never like, you know, he wasn't uh, arrested and charged of anything. I mean, this is like a private investigation from what I've understood. And because of that, they were able to just cut him a check and he can walk away and not even a slap on the wrist. It was just more or less like he got paid to just leave and go do it wherever else he's going to go do this. So it's, if it, it, it's alleged, but I mean, I feel like a lot of people came forward and and put him to <laughs> put him to doing these things. I just I can't see how if the if a player had made a mistake or like you know even certain coaches if they make these mistakes they they get they get shut out to never coach again. Uh, if a team has something like this happens, they. They they lose all their players. Their players transfer. Like they can't play in the postseason. Like all these things happen when certain teams and certain coaches get in trouble. For whatever reason, this guy got a chance to walk away with his money and with a little a little dirt on his name, but nothing that's going to hold. I feel like. I mean, he in his mind or anybody that's going to defend it is going to is going to be able to say like, oh, he he ended it on those terms, so he didn't have to deal with the headache or whatever the case may be or whatever their answers are going to be but he still got a chance to walk away from alleged assaults, alleged racial and racially motivated and jokes and, and comments and ruining, (laughs) ruining, apparently ruining many young men's lives. Like in a sense, I can't, I can't stand by that. I feel like that's, that's a bad thing to do. That's not what coaching is supposed to be about. You know, and he got seven point seven five million dollars to walk away. Seven point seven five million dollars is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And you know what? You know what it says to me? It says to me that that this is more or less hush money for for multiple reasons. One, I you have to figure that Wichita State feels somewhat exposed by the fact that this went on over the course of five years within the program, right? Yeah, they probably don't want. Greg Marshall going out there and letting everybody know, hey, the people that were my bosses were okay with this until it became public knowledge, until yeah, it got written about thing. on the athletic and on stadium and it made ESPN and all those other things. Like they don't want the they don't want him saying that, right? Yeah. The other part of it is that like I, w- I want to be careful how I phrase this, but there are rumors around there, there have been rumors around that program and the way that Greg Marshall uh, runs that program that might catch the interest of NCAA investigators in regards to amateurism um, issues and, and eligibility issues and things along those lines. Yeah. So my, the other thing is this is probably money that Wichita state is using to make sure that Greg Marshall never talks to the NCAA. It's, it's very easy to be able to get him to sign like a, a non-disclosure agreement where he yeah. can't speak to people about what happened or the reason that he left and all that other stuff. So that that's, I have, I have kids knocking on the door over here. That yeah. this is the dad life guys. This, this, is, this, is, this is, this is the dad life. This is um, what we do. This is how it yeah. happens. Yeah. So part of it is, is absolutely hush money. But the thing that really infuriates me about this entire thing is that this is like, I'm not necessarily mad at Wichita state for paying Greg Marshall that money to go away. Because I, I feel like this is the way that the NCAA is designed to operate, right? Yeah. He had he he had a seven year contract worth 
about three and a half million dollars a year, which by like my rough math is let's just say he had twenty five million dollars guaranteed to him if he he worked out his contract. What it means if it's a rolling contract is every year you get another year added on the end. So at any point in time, you have seven more years and twenty five more million dollars coming to you, bro. And and it just refreshes every year on like just a let's just say June thirtieth, right? Every year it renews and you get back to that seventh year that you get back on the end of your contract. Exactly, right. So he had all of this money guaranteed to him, which like, by the way, is not all that off from what like the market rate would be for him. If he was just to go out and based on his resume to go and try to get a coaching job, like he probably could have gotten paid more than that if he went out and tried to find somewhere else to work. So it was definitely, but he found his niche in a spot like that. Like, it's, I mean, yes, where he's loved and he's, he's a God and he's the King of Wichita. So you have that, that guaranteed money coming in. And when you're going to fire somebody with cause, you have to be prepared for the legal ramifications and the legal case. Like Greg Marshall is not going to just like sit down and let that money float off into thin air, right? He's going to go fight for it. He's going to hire a lawyer that could charge him all of those billable hours to go and fight with the lawyers that Wichita state hires who are going to charge that university, the billable hours. They are going to do a risk assessment that says, okay, we are, we are exposed to this amount of money based off of deciding to fire him for cause Right. And there's this percent chance that he could end up winning this lawsuit, which means that if you pay him this amount of money, we're coming out ahead in the long run because exactly. you're the expected amount of money that you're going to pay is is X or whatever. So let's just yeah. say if they think that they're going to have to pay him twenty five million dollars, 40 percent of the time that ends up being your expected loss is ten million dollars. You're only paying him seven point seven five million. You're coming out ahead in terms of what like the math and the lawyers would say. So exactly. this is this is the way that it works, even though that we are dealing with amateur sports here right amateur sports so what 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 about what about all these kids that we can't afford to pay the kids we can't afford to pay the players we can't afford to do all that it just i kind of feel like it's bro i kind of feel like it's very strange with that and i'll just i'll leave it at it's just wrong man i feel like it's just a very very foul scenario it's foul to the kids obviously it's foul to the uh, student athletes who have played for them and who have who've played up for him for these past five years, six years, whatever the case may be. It's just a terrible, terrible situation to be a part of. Like Mm -hmm. to think if he didn't resign, he was coaching these guys like, like this past, like last week, he took a week off for, uh, for, uh, you know, personal reasons, whatever the case may be. But like, he was coaching these guys for like the past two, three weeks while while all this stuff was going on. Yeah. Well, so he was, they were once once they kind of realized that this was the direction they were going to go. They pulled him away from the program. Mm-hmm. So I think like in like in recent weeks he wasn't necessarily there, but like he was after this investigation came out. They didn't suspend him right away, which was just strange. I mean, we we went over that in the past podcast. Yeah, just... Let me let me ask you this, Deshaun. Do you think that he could end up getting another coaching job somewhere if he wanted yes. to? Yes, I feel like I feel like. After a year, let's say, for example, two years go by, like all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment with COVID and seasons going on. Like you saw how when the NBA started, everybody was just locked in on NBA. Not much really was being focused on when the bubble was going on. When college sports start back up, everybody's going to be on the college sports, which is eyes off for him. And a year, year and a half, two years, whatever the case may be, however the schedule works out. Nothing happened to him. Not, he walked away from a job on his own accord by writing. He resigned. 
and got paid to resign. And <laughs> there was nothing said. No, everything else is just apparently hearsay because this is the private. It's a private investigation. It wasn't like the the police were involved really. Like it was the schools looking into it it's, itself. They governed it themselves, and for all they know, they paid off this dude that was like hauling off on kids and and, and it's that his staff members. Once again, it's allegedly, so I don't know per se. I'm just saying in general, like that's what it sounds like when you say it out there. It's just this guy potentially punches players and uses racial jokes and slurs and bullies his players and chokes his assistants and and he got seven million and he got a chance to walk away. He gets eight million dollars for it. Yeah. And and if he wants to coach again, he absolutely will. Like if you look at the the guys that have had similar situations, right? Billy Gillespie. Uh, left Kentucky for a number of reasons, ended up at Texas Tech, right? He ends up getting fired by Texas Tech because of a very similar investigation done by Jeff Goodman, the same guy that brought down Greg Marshall. He goes back to the junior college ranks after a couple of years. He coaches at Ranger College, and he's now at something called Tarleton State, which I don't know if you know this, Deshaun, is a Division I basketball program this year in Texas. Tarleton State, I've never heard of that, but – Billy Gillespie is the coach. He's going to be coaching a division one basketball program this year. Bob Knight got fired by Indiana for a whole bunch of reasons. One of them was the fact that he choked out a player on his roster. Right. And within a year he was hired by Texas tech. He got another job. Dave bliss, who was the head coach for what I think is the single worst scandal in the history of college athletics. Uh, people that don't know what happened with um, with Baylor, like just Google it, man. It's awful. I really don't want to go down that road. I'm trying to have positivity yeah, in my life. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just... Dave Bliss got a job coaching in the D League. He got a job coaching high school basketball, and he ended up coaching like I think it was like Southwestern Christian Missionary College or something. Whatever it was, he found another job in like the lower levels of college basketball. So if Greg Marshall wants to, he'll find another job because one, he's good enough, and two, there's no video of what happened. Yeah, right? it's not like a that, whole like uh like the basketball's been thrown at the player thing with uh my guy with Mike but, uh, Rice. Yeah, but geez, bro, like to think, and I don't want to come off like I don't want you to take care of yourself or your family. I just feel like that avenue where you cross like a physical barrier with your players and staff members, I kind of feel you shouldn't be allowed you, back. Shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> you shouldn't be yeah. able to be back shouldn't in front of you. And who knows? Like I, like I said, I don't know if he did it or not. I've been a, I've been in basketball a long time. I've, I've run into some disgruntled basketball players that'll say and do anything too. Like they, I've been, I've been around it. But when you can rely on the words of those guys and staff, and and then go past that to uh, to former schools and former universities and get other guys that like it's one thing if like these guys were like a year apart or two years like we're talking about like seven plus years apart from one another mm-hmm. link up to find out like yeah he did the same thing to me like that's no nah, we can't have that like not when we're dealing with amateur basketball you know it's when yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amateur basketball these young yeah, student athletes that's, that's the big thing man shouldn't have to deal with this you know, they're supposed to get a college, get a great experience, learn about life, play the game that they love for all the people in the university. And 
they they shouldn't have to get hands put on them and not get paid and all this other stuff that they have to do. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I think we just about covered it all with Greg Moore. So it's just it, it's it's infuriating. I, I think it should be embarrassing for Wichita State that they got mm-hmm. to this point. It's infuriating that this is the system that we created. It drives me fucking insane that we keep hearing about how we don't have the money to pay the athletes and then coaches get eight, seven and a half million dollars to walk away after punching a kid in the back of the head. And someone like Will Muschamp gets, what does he have a $13 million buyout, buyout for being yeah, yeah. terrible at South Carolina. But like, Hey, God forbid that we decide to pay the actual labor and the actual talent that is out there performing on a daily basis. It, it just, it drives me crazy, man. So let's talk about something that's a little bit, uh, a little bit more beneficial to, um, to our mental health. And that is, and that is, a, that is, that is COVID-19 in college basketball oh in gosh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the segue. The segue. <laughs> um, so the news came out this week that the NCAA is going to put the NCAA tournament in like more or less kind of one location, which I believe is going to end up being, I don't think they've officially said it's going to be Indianapolis, but it's, it's going to be Indianapolis yeah, and all of the surrounding areas. So, what was your take on that news? What do you think it's going to be like? It's not going to be a bubble. It's going to be a yeah. controlled environment. How? But I wonder how. Like, I mean, that, that bubble is what I obviously it was the extreme of controlled environment. But I feel like if your goal is to ensure the uh, safety of the players and, and the people working the uh, tournament and officials, everybody that's part of this whole tournament, then I don't see why you wouldn't control it in a bubble scenario. I, I get there's a lot of teams and you've decided to move a lot of teams to one area to play the tournament. I, I'm really, I don't think that that would be necessary for 68 teams. This one thing, like if it was like, if you do uh, after the second round, like after once you, you get to the sweet 16, then we'll move you guys to one area and put you, you can, you can house, you know, 16 teams, but like all of them, like, like 60, 68 of teams, 68, like that's like, uh, I feel like, and it's not a control, it says control, but how control could it be? Like, you know, people are, they live in the city. Like they're going to be in a city. It's not, it's a little bit different than what I would say at like a college town or something like that would be like, it's the city. So there's just like there is people, there are people bunched up together in apartment buildings. There's people bunched up together. The houses are, they have space, but then there's some houses that are closer to like, you know, it's, it's different. It's not this big spacious place where the students are on this side on the student campus. And then oh, this is, you have the NCAA tournament and it's in the middle of the city and whatever's going on there is what's going on for everybody that's involved. So I feel like unless they had a bubble scenario, it was, it, it's kind of, I don't see how they can manage it. Like, how could you how could you manage what people are going to do unless you like restrict the area? Like, yeah, yeah I mean that's, that's the big thing. Like, that, I just that's the big thing. So my take on it is that doing it in one location like this, or or at least kind of, I I don't think it's going to be just one location. I think that it'll be like Indianapolis plus like Bloomington plus like West Lafayette plus. Uh, having people in, 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 I don't know, like IUPUI and, and Boston. Like, I think they're going to take advantage of the fact that like the state of Indiana has more basketball courts pull cap per capita than anywhere else on the planet. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but I think that it, this is kind of like a best case scenario because 
like you just mentioned, you want to limit as much contact as these guys can have with anybody else. And I, I think the best way to do that is try to get everybody condensed into one um, one region and one area. And, and whether it's like going having and having the 14 pods. So think about it like this. Like, let's just say one plays 16, eight plays nine in the West region, right? Yeah. You take those four teams and you make sure all four of them are staying like in the same hotel. They're going to be practicing at that same gym and they're going to be playing or they're going to be practicing at a specific high school gym and they're going to be playing at a specific court and nobody else has access to any of those spaces that that they're going to be in. Like that's exactly. as close to a bubble or a controlled environment as I think you can get with 68 college basketball teams involved and all the people that are going to be involved. Like the what the NBA spent like $150 million on the bubble, some insane amount of money. Like the NCAA can't do that for 68 teams. Not when you're not, when you have like teams playing for, um, for like one game and then, and then getting out. So I I think that it's going to be, you're going to try to create like as close to a mini bubble as you can get, but I think that it'll work. And here's my other hot take on this Deshaun, and, And tell me what you think about this for the bubble. I think the best part about it was like, it was all about the hoop, right? It was all about ball. That's why you saw teams like Miami who are all about ball and all about hoop and all about playing and all about winning. That's why you saw guys like Jimmy Butler kind of having the most success in the situation. Like it turned into nothing but the competition and the teams that were built around like being about nothing but the competition really had that success. So I'm, I, I think that, it's obviously going to suck not having fans in the arenas and it takes away from the experience for some of these players. And, you know, I really feel for the seniors that don't get to have the senior year that they thought they were going to have playing typical college basketball. That sucks. I feel bad for years in a row. Yeah. Right. And, but, but if you put them in a situation where it's almost going to be like an AAU tournament, like think about uh, you, I'm sure you played AAU growing up. Just think about going to like the hoop group events where you would play like the, (laughs) You would have like the group play or whatever yeah. on like the, you get there on like a Friday morning and you play like the group play stuff on Friday, on Saturday, and then you end up winning your group. And then on Sunday, you just kind of play like the, the tournaments. It's maybe you play four games in one day, but you're all kind of in this one spot. You're all in the one gym. You're watching the other, the other like quarterfinal game. If you're in the semifinals, <laughs> you're sitting there like scouting, whatever. And it turns into this thing where it's just all about the competition, all about the hoop. And I think that we're going to see a little bit of that with this NCAA tournament. So I do think that there is going to be part of this that will be unique and fun and special. If you can embrace the idea of, of it being what it is. Uh, but I hope that people can kind of like buy into that because there is part of this that, that can be fun. It can be really competitive. No, trust me. I definitely agree with you. It's basketball at the end of the day, regardless of how you dress it, where you put the guys, how the scenario works. You want them to be in the best scenario possible so that you don't have these like little mishaps where someone has to miss a game because they tested positive because they had to go to five guys or white castle or wherever it is in Indiana, (laughs) whatever happened in Indianapolis, like they had to go to uh, white castle and grab a burger and they get sick and then have to miss a game. So obviously, let me just tell you one thing. (laughs) I understand if you have to go to five guys because five guys is delicious, but like if anybody has to go to white castle, like, I don't, you need, I don't you know. You start readjusting your priorities. And I don't know who these people are, but they're out there, though. They're there. <laughs> there are people that, that do these things. So, like, I'm all like, when it comes down to it, if everybody's healthy and safe, man, that's all it's going to come down to is the basketball. And, and these guys, regardless, regardless of how it's dressed, like I said, 
it might not, they might not have the fans. They might not have the surroundings that they were used to having. They're going to get on the court and ball out either way. Like that's what basketball players do. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it was a packed gym. Like I had when I was in college or in, in high school games, or if it was AAU, like I had where there wasn't many people there and there were numerous games going on around, or it was just an empty gym and just us and the other team. It doesn't matter. God's going to, basketball players are going to go out there and play ball. So. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some of this with like these preseason tournaments, anyways, right? Like the the Puerto Rico Invitational or the the Bad Boy Mowers Classic in whatever, or, like the yeah. Orlando. Who like who cares? All they're, they're basically empty, but yeah. I still love what like the the basketball on Thanksgiving all day. I love watching. I watch it every year. Yeah. We all watch it every year. The Wooden Legacy has nothing but like six parents in the stands, but it ends up being <laughs> great basketball, right? So, that's about it. So I, <laughs> I do think it. that it'll, I, I do think it's going to be end up end up being uh, beneficial that they made this decision. I think it was something the NCAA they had to do. I'm happy that we're finally seeing them like take some progressive steps to try yeah, to create, yeah. to like to try to create a situation where we can make this season happen. Yeah, so, like, and that's not a good thing. Just plan ahead. It's, and, and yes. you have that Now we have that vision. We have something that we can look forward to. Like, all right, cool. Obviously, there may be some stop and go during the season, but if everybody takes care of what they're supposed to take care of, we have like a, a legit goal at the end of this year where we can be part of that 68 teams. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see some good basketball. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been yeah, waiting one, for basketball. One thing that I do think is important to note that I've kind of like just heard in, in some of the conversations that I've been having with coaches and people around basketball is like, don't necessarily uh, uh, be married to the idea that the the tournament is going to be the same format as the tournament that that, oh. that we become accustomed to. Um, and what I mean by that is typically what it is like you have selection Sunday on a Sunday, then that Tuesday and that Wednesday you have the playing games, then that Thursday, that Friday you have the the first round games, and that Saturday and Sunday you have the second round games. Then the next Thursday and Friday, Sweet Sixteen, next whatever on like that. Exactly. I think there's going to be a little bit of a window between selection Sunday and the start of the actual tournament, just because you want to be able to make sure that nobody is, is testing positive. Right. Exactly. I feel like, and I also, what is it? 14, 15 days to yeah, start. I, I don't think that they would wait that long. I think that, that it would probably be like closer to maybe a week. I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I, I don't want yeah. people to take this as me kind of throwing it out there as gospel <laughs> reporting anything. Uh, Cause I don't even think the NCAA knows. I think that obviously they're still in conversations with this, uh, but I would not be surprised to see it be a situation where, you know how we got to the tournament and it was like, or I'm sorry, the, the NBA playoffs. And it was like, we literally had games every other day. So when yeah. you got to the Western conference finals, it would be like game one East game one West game nice, two yeah. East game two West. Exactly. And there was a game every single night. I think we might see a situation where it's something like that for the NCAA tournament, just because, you know, every off day is a risk. Every yeah, extra true. day that you're there ah, unnecessarily is a risk. So I would, I would not be surprised point. to see it like them condense it as much as possible to try to knock this thing out in two weeks. Now, like that could be an issue with some of the broadcasters. Like I'm sure that CBS and Turner love having like all day Saturday for uh, for Elite Eight games and yeah. all day Thursday and Friday for those first NCAA tournament games. Um, the other thing that will be interesting is that there's going to be 
more time between the games that needs to, to happen in order to like sanitize locker rooms and sanitize benches and sanitize scores tables and do all the things that you have to do to make sure that like we kind of mitigate the spread. So yeah. like, and, and the other part of it is, you know, when we have games in West coast locations, you know, then you have like the midnight tip. If everything's in Indiana and everything's East coast time, are you still going to have like the midnight tips? So I would not be surprised to see like games starting at 9 a.m., which yeah, would be awesome. <laughs> well, I, look, as it's someone that got no one's complaining. <laughs> you you know how I feel on this. Like as as a dad, I'm up at 7 a.m. like every damn every damn morning, Deshaun. Yeah. Every damn morning. Yes. So if we get basketball starting at 9 a.m., like I'm not going to be complaining about that. Can't I'll be sitting there reading my Peppa <laughs> Pig books, watching. You know, yeah, th- have her put sing on the iPad at 9 a.m. and I could lock in. You know, I'll, I'll be good to go with that. So, uh, just be ready. I'll, I'll, that's a long way of saying just be ready for, uh, for like a different schedule and a different kind of format yeah. for what the tournament is. Before we go any farther, I do want to ask you a question because we talked about AAU basketball. I want your best AAU basketball story. And while you think of it, I can give you a good one right now while you can think because mm. this this is my favorite. I, I got yeah, I can I can I can throw you one out there afterwards, but go ahead. All right. So um the, the team that I played for was called Connecticut Gold. And yeah. like we were we were we were pretty good back then. Like I wasn't that great, but the, the team that I played for was pretty good. Like we had remember Tim Abermitis at Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I played, played against my, him a couple of years ago, actually. And yeah, when, uh, he's in Spain. So I yeah, played against Grand, him uh, Ran Canary or whatever Grand, it is. So, okay. No, no, actually, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, I can't even think of the name of the team right now. But it's out in the Grand, it's past the Grand Canary Islands. There, yeah, yeah, it's funny, man. Like he's he, all his Instagram posts and Twitter posts are all in Spanish. I'm like, wow, man, like you're you're, you're fully a Spaniard right now. <laughs> no, all he needs is. is the neck beard to grow out. He won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so we, like we had a guy go to LaSalle. We had a guy go to Mayor. So we we had a really good AAU program that I just happened to like be on. Right. And it was, it was perfect for my style. Cause all we did was run up and down and shoot a bunch of threes. So like I, that, that it, you never see me play, but just imagine like Marshall Henderson, except not very good. <laughs> like you got that, you got that in your head. I'm uh, trying to picture it. <laughs> yeah. Marshall Henderson, but not very good. Um, but so, so we played, uh, we played Dewan Wagner's AAU team at some, I think it was like some hoop group event in Philly. Right. But like Dewan doesn't show up for the first half. Like he, he kind of strolls in like late second quarter, like Tim's untied, like looking as, as New Jersey as you could possibly look with like the, the baggy jeans, or whatever. No and so he, like, he comes, he comes strolling in, right. Laces up his shoes, comes out for the second half has 35 in the third quarter. Right. And then he's gone. Like he doesn't even play the fourth quarter. He, he puts his shoes back on and he's like, all right, we got the swing. <laughs> all right. I'm out. So <laughs> And now that was one of the moments in my life when I was kind of like, well, basketball is not going to be a thing for me for that long. Cause if that's what you got to be to be able to like be great at basketball, like that ain't me, not even close. Oh 35 God. and one quarter in an AAU that's, game. That's it's unbelievable. Impressive. Unbelievable. All right. Give me your best AAU story. All right. Um, so we, uh, my team was the, uh, at the time it was the Jersey Cyclones and um, we had a, 16-year-old team and a 17-year-old. Actually, 15-year-old team and a 17-year-old team. And our 15-year-old team got knocked out early. And it's not uncommon for the coaches to say, hey, you want to play up? We need you to play up because we need some guys. So they took me and one of my teammates, and we played up 17s when I was 15. And playing really well, 
in West Virginia, where the tournament is being held at, is the Jam Fest. And my team ends up going to the championship. And I played, I played really, really well. Shockingly, I was because I usually I was I, I was having actually a pretty slow start throughout the tournament. Played 17s, played way better than I did. And we get to the championship against the, the D1 Greyhounds. And we have to play OJ Mayo and Bill Walker. So actually, I might have been 16 at the time. So we go, we play OJ Mayo and Bill Walker. They're like, Day, you got OJ Mayo. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. They explain it to me. Like, listen, he's the best freaking freshman, best whatever he is in the country. Like, probably one of the best players in the country, period. Like, you got your hands full. I'm like, all right, I understand. I get it. I get it. They gave him my guy, the other young guy, to run down as well about Bill Walker. He'll dunk on you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, I got it. Playing the first half of the game, OJ Mayo has about, like, maybe, like, five or six points. So we get towards the uh, the third quarter, and I'm still guarding him, and I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. And Carl Towns Jr., his dad, Carl Towns Sr., was my 15s coach, my 15 and under coach. So he's not coaching during his game. He's in the crowd watching the game. And the gym is, like you said, is somewhat empty. We're playing on the main college floor. And he yells out loud, you keep locking him up, Day. He's not the best player in the country. OJ Mayo looked at him. Then looked at me and then proceeded to go to work. <laughs> him and Bill, him and Bill Walker, they 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 end up winning the championship that day. Uh they put up some pretty good numbers. But uh I'll always remember us yelling at our coach after the game, like, mind your damn business. Like we had a good <laughs> thing going on. You motive why'd you wake the, the sleeping giant up, OJ Mayo, who was amazing in high school. So I always <laughs> remember that game. We always joke when I see Carl and I'm like, Yeah, your dad. He really, he really effed that one up for us. We had a chance to win the championship. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Especially because it's Carltown's dad. Like, that yeah, just, and his dad's awesome. His dad's it's kind of out of character for like oh. he's not that kind of guy. That's good. Oh, Carl, like Carl, that. big, big singer is the the biggest trash talker ever. Is he? He talks trash like with the best of them. So like, he was my AAU coach growing up. He was hilarious. Yeah, that, actually, that makes sense because he, he, I mean, he's from Jersey. So, yeah, I was about to say, you got to be able to talk if you're from gotcha. Jersey. Got to hold you on. <laughs> got to hold you on. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, man. Um, we talked a lot about the NBA draft last week. And I made a point to let y'all know, everyone listening, that on this podcast, we talk about ball. That's what we do. And there was an actual game, there was an actual basketball game that was played this past week. It was a, some kind of like prep school AAU program crossover event, but we yeah. got Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the class of 2021, going up against Amani Bates, the number one player in the class of 2022, who's been anointed like the next great whatever, whatever, whatever. So that was fun. That was a lot of fun. They both yeah. went for 30 plus. <laughs> it and was. I just, I'm just kind of curious, like, did you watch the game? What was your takeaways from it? Like, did you see Chet Holmgren going? pointing to his chest going, it's all right here. I got this. I got this pointing to his heart. So uh, give me all the takes on that game and Chet Holmgren and Amani Bates. Actually, let me frame it like this. This is probably a better setup. I'm, I'm, I'm not a veteran podcaster over here. <laughs> Would you take Chet Holmgren and Amani Bates number one in the 2020 NBA draft right now, tomorrow? I get, well, tonight when this airs. Would you take No disrespect one? to any of the players that are in the draft this year, but yes, I – I would definitely take uh, Amani number one, me personally. <laughs> like I'm a big, big, big fan of his. The skill set at his height, what is it, six nine, six ten? Like the skill set at yeah. six nine, 
being able to move and handle the basketball and do all the things he can do, shoot all these things that he can do is great. But geez, he's a dog, bro. He just like competes and he lets you know he's there. Like he's not just like playing and going about his business and just keeping his head down. Like he scores and he lets you know he's there. Like, and you better do something or he's going to keep doing it. Like he, the mentality, it reminds me so much of, and I know you don't want to just throw out names, but like, I could just see like a, a more vocal Kevin Durant, if that's possible. Yeah. Like Kevin Durant, when he was like in, in high school and in, in especially his year in college, when he was scoring the ball, like he let it be like, I'm scoring on you. Like you're the person I'm scoring on to the point where it would just deflate defenders and deflate teams. Like, I feel like, Amani has that kind of like talent. Chet is going to be a great pro and you can see it on him right now. Like if he decides to go to college or whether he decides to go uh, do a G league year and then go to NBA, whatever he decides to go pro, whatever overseas, he's going to be good either way. Cause you just at seven feet, seven for one, you can't, you can't teach that. Like, then what he has is the talent as far as the skill set. And like you said, pointing at his chest, like the heart, all of it. Like he, another person that just, he can deflate. He can deflate a team offensively and defensively. That's what's special about him is the fact that he can bring in on both sides of the court. Like Amani's still getting, I feel like he's still garnering his uh, defensive abilities. And he's still, he's not a bad defender by any means. He can guard the people he's playing against by far. But uh, I want to see how he does when he's guarding more people like Chet because even a couple times in that game, Chet was uh, saucing up a little bit, drove to the cup, dunked a couple times on him. Like, you know, it was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of fun watching the game, and I enjoyed it. And to see two young dudes like that garner that much attention, especially now. I mean, bas- everybody's craving basketball, and they didn't disappoint. You didn't see, like, a 15-point game or something like that. You saw uh, <laughs> some real ball. For 30, man. They both went for 30. That's what I enjoyed it. That's the thing I love about both of them is that they are just – they're that kind of, like, sick competitiveness, right, to the point where it's kind of like, dude, like, just just chill out a little bit. But, but that's kind of what – that's what Jordan had. Kobe had that same thing. Kevin Durant has that same thing. Um, Steph Curry, like to a point, has that same thing where they're just wired different. And I think both of those dudes have it. Now, I got to give a shout out. I think that I, I don't know where this originated. I saw it first with Eric Bossy. Um, Eric, longtime scout. He's worked for Rivals. He works for 24-7 Sports now. Uh, what like if you wanna if you want to hear something about college basketball or high school basketball in the last 20 years, like Bossy is one of like the, the five people that you need to talk to. Um, he called Chet Holmgren an outside dog, which I think is just the best, best term for him. Like, like, cause he's, he's got that in him, right? Like he is, he's seven foot one. And he can't weigh more than like 200 pounds. No, that dude is so unbelievably skinny and it does not matter. He will throw himself into contact he will throw himself into the paint like he will go up and he will fight you and he ain't afraid to clap back i don't know if you saw this did you see what he, the, the the tweet that he sent after the game oh talk now basically it's like, say something yes. about him now like so like, so what happened was someone was someone <laughs> I, I i can't remember what it was like the, the exact quote but uh, someone had posted like on instagram who's good like who's better chet holmgren or amani bates and there were a whole bunch of people in the comments 
that were just like, it's Imani Bates, blah, 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 Imani, 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 Imani. And so Chet Holmgren posted a screenshot of that with the comments and was like, um, and was like, what do you guys have to say now? I expect an apology from each one of you. But the story goes further. So you got to rewind back to, I guess, like August or September. Like there were, there were a couple of AAU events that were going on and, and Paolo Banchero, who is the, probably the number two player in the class of 2021 committed to Duke, like just an absolute stud, right? He was playing in these events. He was supposed to play Chet Holmgren's team. Chet doesn't show up. Everyone was out there saying like, oh, Chet's ducking him. Chet's scared of the competition. Chet doesn't want to prove who he is. Uh, so uh, there were specifically Kawhi trainers, uh, Kawhi Leonard's trainer named Clint Parks tweeted something about it. Chet Holmgren saw this and replies to him. He doesn't just reply to him. He pulls out the notes app on his phone and sends a screenshot of the notes app. And is like, I just want to let everyone know, like my grandmother lives with me. She's 96 years old. My younger sister is immunocompromised. I am not going out in public and playing in the middle of a pandemic and putting them at risk. I'm not yeah. ducking anybody. And do so people do after, that by the way? Yeah. I, what the, people the duck, note? people duck basketball players. Yeah. That, like, Is that a real thing? People will try to protect their ranking by not going out and playing oh, a competition that people want to play. So they, they're, so they're accusing Chet Holmgren of this. And that, oh. like, he's, he's not the dude that you want to accuse that to. So not only does he say this about the Instagram wow. thing, he's like, what do you have to say now, Clint Parks? After putting up 36 <laughs> on the Monty Bates. Oh, oh, no, I, look, I, I, lo- I loved it. I love it. That, that, that kind of like weird, vengeful competitiveness is how the pros, like how the greats are wired, right? Like, in order to be one of like the, the the greatest basketball players of all time, you have to be blessed by like winning the genetic lottery with like yeah. freak physical tools. You have to have an unbelievable work ethic and you have to have a sick level of competitiveness that just drives you to the point of, uh, of exhaustion over and over and over again. And Chet Holmgren has it. Now, like, look, I'm not saying that he's going to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. What I'm saying is that that trait in him is why I, I I buy into the idea that this seven foot one, you know, two hundred pound white kid from Minnesota has a chance to be like an unbelievable NBA player, all star, you know, somebody at that level. So, um, yeah, I, I love I love everything about Chet Holmgren. When it comes to Amani, so when you watch him play, it just screams Kevin Durant to you, right? But my thing is like Kevin Durant's probably six eleven, seven foot with like a seven foot five wingspan. Amani's like six nine with a six foot ten wingspan. So I am a little bit worried about those comparisons, right? Like I, I think that there's also a world where he ends up being something close to like an Andrew Wiggins in the sense that if you're not gonna if you don't have that length, if you're not going to be a great defender, but you're a scorer and you're a bucket getter, that's kind of what like Andrew Wiggins is right now. Now the problem with Wiggins is like that competitiveness. Like he lacks that kind of killer instinct and Amani's got that. So like, I'm not saying that they're going to be the same player or have the same impact at the NBA level, but his floor, I think is somebody like an Andrew Wiggins. Now, before people like flip out about that. Yeah. I'm saying like, he's, he's a a junior in high school. (laughs) And I'm saying that like the worst he could end up being is a guy that averages 20 points per game through six years of his NBA career is 24 years old has already made like a hundred or is guaranteed to make like $190 million right now before he signs his last contract. Right. So like, so like if that's his floor at like a top 75 player on the planet, that makes you a 
a pretty fucking good prospect, Deshaun. Yeah, but think about this, though. You're saying that his floor at the moment is Andrew Wiggins, and he's only 16, 17 years old. Like, that's why I feel like I understand your point with the Kevin Durant thing. Like, Kevin Durant, at what he is right now at this moment, the finished product, uh, like height and weight, build and everything, like, he's not that. I feel like he's an in-between in the sense where he can handle the basketball really well. He can shoot the hell out of the basketball. He attacks one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-up. He can do a little bit of everything, mid-range, get to the cup. Like, he just – he does everything in a sense. Maybe he's not like, you know, a prolific passer or anything like that, but he's a really, really, really good scorer at six foot nine. Chances are he's still growing. I can't – I can't think of, I mean, besides, you know, Zion, I mean, the, that's a different story. And that's what I'm saying. They're different in their own rights. I can't see that many high schools that came out, like, that just came out that was him. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't even think. Like, I, I know some guys at 6'9 who can handle the ball a little bit. I knew some guys, you know, like, when I came out, Earl Clark was, like, six foot nine, six ten, can handle the basketball, can shoot the ball pretty well. Like, but he was more known for, like, his point guard skills and bringing the ball up. And, and setting up offense and being that big, being able to shift and move and so on and so forth. That was like really big when I was like growing up. But the guys that are six nine, who's just like an offense, like an offensive like killer, like this, nah, haven't seen it. Like LeBron I mean, wasn't. Uh, LeBron was like an athlete, and he was yeah. like, and he can pass the, the the ball. He was great. His like ball handling skills and just vision and everything like that was great. So you could see like, oh, he if he does this on an NBA scale, like with great players around him and he gets to shoot him better, like he's going to be a problem. Surprise, LeBron's a problem. But this, like, I mean, you haven't seen somebody this size or around this size. And they always bring up Kevin Durant for that reason, because like of all the things he can do with the basketball and it doesn't look like, it's not like this. Oh, he passes the eye test. It's not like this awkward hunched over dude doing like, no, he's smooth, quick, consistent. And, He's mean, bro. He's like, he plays like with a chip on his shoulder. He plays like they say he's the worst player in the country and he's the total opposite. So like, that's why I, I felt like when I, if I had a chance to pick a number one pick, he's the guy, like he, he wants to play against the best player. He wants to be the best player. Like you can see it in his, his game. Like, so hopefully that, that'll be the case for both of them. Cause after seeing that 36 and like a, and 16 and seven blocks or whatever it was. And, and Amani's like 36 and 10. Like I was, I'm excited. I just, that made me want to watch basketball immediately. Like who else is playing? Like I'm looking for high school games on television. <laughs> hey, man, it was the same thing for me. Man. It was the same thing for me. It's like, that, that compet- we don't see that. Like we don't, we, we haven't seen that in a long time. And, nah, and that kind of, and to circle up and to put a nice ball on this, watch this, watch this, they saw, watch this expert podcasting right here to put a ball <laughs> on everything. That was kind of a controlled environment. There wasn't a lot of fans there. And who thrived? The dudes that were all about ball. The guys that came out there and just wanted to compete. And hopefully that's what we're going to end up seeing um, in the NCAA tournament. Now, considering I just put that beautiful bow onto this podcast just like that that. just lock it all up Uh, i think we could probably (laughs) probably go ahead and get out of here man um as always please rate review subscribe to the podcast uh you will find us here other dudes do interviews they we talk ball right here so we'll see you guys next week